0: vision. woo! So (laughs) go back to like the first Sunday in 2020, first Sunday of this year, and all across America, pastors were preaching a new year's sermon about we're in the year 2020. It's a year of vision, a year of vision, right? You know, we always said, um, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Now we're like, boy, I hope not, <laughs> right? <laughs> We'd like to get twenty twenty in our hindsight, wouldn't we? Because it's been a tough year. I mean, things have just, I mean, it's blown our mind um, uh, about. It, it's not just about sicknesses and deaths from a virus. It's about everything else that's been caused by uh, reaction and things to this. So everything's been kind of turned upside down. Oh, we couldn't have predicted it. We didn't think it would. You know, nobody really knew all this is going to be like this. So, um, so we're talking about vision. If you, if you go back, I don't know if it's still online or not, instead of just vision, I talked about focus. I need to go back. Can I just say something because it's true? huh? Even though it's kind of distasteful for me coming out of my mouth, but I probably need to go back and listen to my own message on that day. I probably do. Uh, Yeah, uh, because it's easy to say these things. It's tough to live it. But uh, the focus of keeping, because it's been really difficult to keep the right focus during all this craziness and difficulty that's been going on. But I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but uh, those of you that are kind of sticking with us, um, we have been having a little trouble streaming uh, because of, of internet connection and things like that. Sometimes we can record and post it later. But if you've been here, if you've listened, that uh, past few weeks, we've been talking, we kind of have a thought out pattern. I don't know if you realize that or not, but a few weeks ago, we talked about being, about determination about being determined uh, and, and, and being steadfast in uncertain times, uh, determination when the going gets tough. Remember that? And we talked about priorities. We talked about having the right priorities, and we talked about uh, also our purpose and priorities and and everything that we need to press on uh, to excellence that he's called us to rather than settling for mediocrity. Remember any of this? Any of this ringing a bell with anybody? So we've been talking, hopefully building on this week after week. And so I don't know if you remember from several weeks ago the ingredients for determination of having that determination, steadfastness, be steadfast and movable, always. Abounding in the work of the Lord, like that, some of the ingredients we talked about is purpose to be steadfast. We have purpose from God, passion, and persistence. I just thought that was good, uh, but now dealing with the frustration that continues from fallout from all that's going on, we have another little thing that we deal with a lot, and it's it's frustration and it's anxiety. And Jesus said to be anxious for nothing, right? Don't, don't be going around the old translation say worried. the word means to be concerned, worried or anxious. Uh, Paul says to be anxious about nothing really. do not be anxious about anything, okay Let's get some better grammar maybe uh, and but pray about everything uh, that's that's a good thing to say too, but it's another thing to actually do it. how do how do we overcome frustration and anxiety? All the while pressing on with determination and excellence for the Lord. How does that happen Monday through Saturday for you? For me? It's a little bit of some struggle in there, all right? It's not everything just click. We've got, to have, we've got to have the things we're talking about. We have the priorities. We've got to have the determination. We've got to have the focus. So I want to come back to something I mentioned a few weeks ago. And it has to do with understanding our purpose and, and, and it has to do with getting into this book and opening up our heart and being able, watch this now, being able in the midst of the mess we're in to see God's big picture. Because sometimes we just kind of like Peter when he walked out of that boat and he's walking on the water. I mean like, this is amazing. He's doing it. But at some point, he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks around at the wind and the, and the waves. He looks at the waves and, and the effects of the wind around him, and he begins to sink. And it's easy for me, okay, how about you, to do that. And I know Jesus is there, but if I'm not careful, things get a little dicey. Things get a little complicated. Um, and in our case, sometimes it's summer, because so many things are canceled, things get a little boring, and we can get our focus shifted. How can I do this? So I want to I want to come back to this and look at, again at God's big picture and it involves perception or vision. Okay? Now, you hear people talk about vision, got to have vision. And course, 2020 is supposed to be the year of vision, right? Get it, 2020. And it's not it's not really turned out so great. But how do you define vision? Anybody? It's like, am I supposed to talk or not? Yeah, you know, everybody's like, yeah. Some people will say, uh, well, it uh, could be defined as seeing what others don't see. I I gotta have something. Give me something here. Is that is that like, huh? For, for, thank you, Jesse. Foresight. Being able to see ahead, to look ahead. That's good. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll use that as well. Um, or how about having with that foresight a picture or an idea of what can be. Uh, having your mind open to possibilities. You know, that's the way a lot of times in our world we would define vision. Um, so since this is our focus for today, maybe we should try to get a good biblical definition out there. Would that be a good idea? Everybody are you in on this? All right. So let's get a good biblical definition. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to put that up there and then we're going to read a passage in the Bible where an example of it is actually fleshed out and an example of a lack of it. Okay. So, um, I've kind of. I've kind of borrowed some ideas from different places, but this is kind of what I put together. All right, you can see how this might work for you. Uh, When I think about vision, the ability, this is biblical vision. Oh, come on, you got, right? Are you not writing this down? I mean, come on, you got to write this down. The ability to see God's presence, to perceive God's power, and to focus on God's plan in spite of obstacles. God's presence even when you don't feel it with your emotions, to be able to see it and to be able to perceive God's power, even when with your emotions you're not feeling it, and to focus on God's plan when there's all these obstacles out there. Is that sinking in? I need to let it sink into me too, okay? The ability to see God's presence, to perceive God's power, to focus on God's plan In spite of obstacles. When you do that. You are going to see beyond. What most people are seeing. You're going to perceive. A power. A presence. A purpose. That most people aren't even going to be able to get. All right, so now let's just look at this text here in Numbers. And you know this story probably that this promise God made to Abraham about a land that he would take him to. So you stay with me here before I lose you. I got to put this in there that you know how that God singled out a man that God had promised in the Garden of Eden that he was going to send the seed of the woman that someone is coming. Someone is going to be born who is going to be a deliverer right? And defeat the enemy, Satan, and defeat sin. That promise has been laid out there. They don't understand everything about it, but it's been put out there in scripture. Then God, after time goes on, he singles out a man named Abraham. And Abraham was just the kind of guy that chose to believe and trust everything God said. He wasn't perfect, but he trusted God. And because he trusted God so much and had faith and believed God, God credited him as righteousness, as perfection, so he could have that relationship with him. Even though he was like you and me, he actually wasn't perfect, but God was able to give him that on credit. Are you following this thought somewhere? Because God's going to actually pay for that himself. When he sends his son down on the cross. He separates out a man. And through this man, all nations are going to be blessed. Paul tells us later on, he was talking about Jesus right there. And God separates out this guy. So God's going to separate out a people. And God's separating out a special place where this is going to happen. He's dialing it in that this is going to happen in time. That I'm sending the deliverer that's going to come. So God promised Abraham and it involved this piece of land. God repeats that to his son. And then his son's son, Jacob. Jacob, listen to me, actually lives there. And then there's a famine in the land. And you know that whole story with his son Joseph. They end up in Egypt, and then things are going good, and then things start going bad, and they end up in bondage. Hundreds of years go by. And, uh, and Joseph, who is the one that kind of delivered them from the famine in Egypt, you know, remember that? Uh, Joseph gave an instruction before he died that he wanted his bones to be taken back to that land. Is this, yeah, you Remember? It's a great story. Don't tell me the Bible's boring. You're boring. The Bible's exciting. If it's boredom, it's not the Bible. It's you. So all these years go by. God brings a a type of a deliverer in Moses to bring them out of Egypt. The time has come. And they get to the edge of that land that's a part of this promise. And God said, I'm going to give it to you. All right. Remember that? He sends out. Twelve spies, one from every tribe, okay? And then they go, and they scope out the land, and they come back, and it really is a land flow. We're going to look at it in a little more detail in a moment. It is a land flow with milk and honey, but guess what? There are fortified cities. There are armies. There are giants in the land. And, oh, boy, everybody goes crazy. All they can see is what they can see with their eyes and understand with their human mind. It looks to be impossible. Now, that brings us... Down to uh, Numbers chapter fourteen. I want to read. We'll come back to it. But uh, so people go crazy, all right. And then it says in verse five, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. That's a sign of mourning and anguish. That's something they did back then. And it says and they said to all of the congregation of the people of Israel the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land listen to this if the Lord delights in us like we're not acting like you guys are acting right now okay you got it context all right if the Lord delights in us if we're obedient to him and believe him if he if we if he delights in us he will bring us into this land and Give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not fear, or do not rebel, excuse me, and only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. woo Great. Reach Joshua and Caleb. You'd think everybody's like, What's wrong with us? Nah, nah, that's not. Next verse. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Uh, that means they wanted to kill him. And they would have killed him, except it says, The glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting and all, uh, to all the people of Israel. God it made his visible presence shine and it stopped them. All right. So do you see what I'm talking about here? You've got a real illustration of vision, of understanding God's plan, God's presence, God's purpose. And you've got a real lack of it here as well. And this is a story that really happened in time. So we see that. When I read this, I always think about how typical it is, the reaction of the majority. And I become aware of the differences between the way people naturally live, full of worry and anxiety, and the way that God wants us to live, free from all that baggage. And so here's the thing that I get is come forward to our day and I see that that old flesh nature and the world around us gets to us just like it did them. And it kind of makes me think this, that even as Christians, that probably most of us are living way below the level that God intends. And I can say in my own life, amen to that. And it's not an amen, it's an amen. Probably, not living up to the level that God is really intending for me, for a lot of us to live. In our, in our thought life, our personal life, in our, in our serving Him. And in so many ways, we're not where God really wants us to be and where we should be if we just really trusted Him enough to obey Him. And one of the reasons is is we get sucked in by the world system. And then we operate, even though you're saved, we we operate a good part of our time in the flesh rather than led by the Holy Spirit. And we stand in our own strength and our own wisdom and, and rather than being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We react with human emotion. And we get all stirred up and we get all worked up with human emotion rather than being solidly guided by the truth of God and the Spirit of God. And God has called us to live differently than the world around us. Did you know that? As his followers, we are to live differently than the world around us. And you know, it seems like the majority of people, well, Jesus said that most of the people are on the broad road, right? He really said there's only two roads. There's the broad road that leads to what? Destruction. And then there's the narrow road that leads to life and life everlasting. And most people are on the broad road. So here's the thing. It just always seems like through the scripture that God always works through a remnant of the people. That is a minority of the people. So if you, that tells me, oh, got to listen to this, man. I mean, I'm talking to myself. I got to listen to this. If we just follow the crowd, we're pretty much always going to be going in the wrong direction. The majority of the people here, they they, they they were getting hostile. When we stand in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might, we have the ability through faith. To see above and beyond the majority. We can see that more is going on here than just what we're doing and what's happening and what you're hearing on the news and what you think could be happening or might not be happening. There's something more important. There's something bigger. God is still building his kingdom. The gospel is still needing to go out. And the light still needs to shine into the darkness. And we need to help people become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ because he's coming soon. We don't need to lose track of that. We need to see uh, with eyes of faith instead of just our human understanding. I'm reminded of the eagle here. You know, eagle eyesight. I love in this town, our mascot is an eagle, right? I like that. because you have to understand that I grew up and our mascot was a rambling rose. <laughs> Rosebud ramblers. Hey, that's why we were so tough. I mean... That's why we were so tough. We were ramblers. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like some of you remember the old Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue, right? He had to be tough. And that's why we were so tough because our mascot was a rose, yeah? And uh, I'm a rambler. Huh, That's funny. Mascot was rambler and I myself tend to be a bit of a rambler. Huh? Anyway, uh, um, just a side note. But the eagle, the eagle is so majestic. Uh, until he, until well, we were so amazed to get like some bald eagles around this area. Till we find out what they can do with our free range chickens and little lambs and pets. Anyway, that's still that's, that's that's not part of the sermon. That's just that's just a footnote. Okay, but 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 other than that, eagles they they soar so high and they have such great eyesight and they're so powerful um, that they that, that they tell they tell us. I don't know how they know this, but they do. They tell us that that they have eight times as many visual cells per cubic centimeter in their eyes than does a human. And this translates into some astonishing abilities. For instance, flying at 600 feet elevation, it it is said that an eagle can spot an object the size of a dime moving through six-inch grass. And from that altitude, he can see a three-inch fish jump in a lake up to three miles away. That's the kind of vision I want to have. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, right? Using an analogy here. You know, we talked about how God's called us to soar like eagles. And many of you say, well, that's true. But I'm, you know, got to take into consideration how I'm stuck with a bunch of turkeys. Right? Right? But you know what turkeys do? We are—we all act like turkeys at times. I'm not, not talking about these wild turkeys that always trick me when I'm out in the woods. But I'm talking about these turkeys. They're always going around just a goblin and a strutting. You know, just a strutting and look at me, look at me, look at me. That's what we're doing. It's hard to soar with the eagle when all you want to do is strut around like a turkey. Right? And either we're doing that or we're doing what everybody else is doing. God's called us to soar like eagles. He even talks about we wait upon the Lord, we'll mount up with wings like eagles, right? In Isaiah. Uh, I don't have that verse up there, but it's there. Go look it up later. But anyway, uh, but either we're, we're strutting around like turkeys or else we're acting like parrots. He is not called us to be parrots where they just mimic everything everybody else does. Instead of mimicking like parrots, strutting like turkeys, we're supposed to soar like eagles and be able to see what other people cannot see. I think God wants to do a unique thing here. I think God really does in our church. I don't think he wants us to be just like everybody else. We will to be solid on the word of God, but see, I tell you what, I, I find so often that we're more tied to methods than we are the message. <laughs> really. I mean, things that aren't scriptural are not biblical, Or spiritual, we're more hung up on than we are the truth of the Word of God. Things that are tradition and culture. The way that we just kind of have done things. We get so hung up on that. So I think I don't think we're supposed to as far as methods go pattern ourselves after everybody else around now I want to see what other people are doing I want to find out what's working in the world I want to learn and all of that but but um, but I think God wants to do something unique here I think God wants to develop ministry that will reflect that I think it's important for us like I said to research and find what works but God wants us to soar like eagles not mimic like parrots I mean I want to use every tool that God gives us to try to help reach people and and every tool that God gives us to try to help lead people to Christ and help people become disciples and followers of Christ. I want to use every tool because I'm going to guarantee you something. Oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to say it like the old hillbilly said it, okay? You notice you can still make fun of hillbillies, right? And that's okay. It doesn't offend me. I'm like, I, I are one, right? But, but that's okay. That's okay. That's very good. But, you know, it's like it's not just I guarantee you, but I will guarantee you. We're going to stretch that word out. I'll guarantee you the devil is using every tool that he can get his hands on to steal our hearts and minds and to distill the hearts and minds of your kids. He'll use it all, right? So I want to use, see, the basic thing is we've got to have the truth of God empowered by the Spirit of God. The message has to be solid. Why water it down? I feel like you got to add to it. Word of God's the word of God. But I want to use every tool, right? If we had to meet out in a cave somewhere uh, with memorized scripture and no instruments and no special lighting, we could do that and we could worship and we could do. But if we've got the tools, I want to use them. Amen. Just so think about farming. So if you were farming along and you and all your neighbors are farming with teams of mules and just old plows, right? The old plow that my gramp used to use is now decoration at our house. Okay, that's what we do now. Look at all these things. But um, you do that. But then, say some of your neighbors get tractors and uh, they begin to, uh, to 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 work with, with big equipment. Uh, they're going to be able to cover more ground in a short amount of time than you can, right? They're going to be able to do it more efficiently. They're going to be able to plant more. They're going to be able to cultivate more. They're going to be able to control the weeds better. They're going to. And, and so, if you're just doing this, how long are you going to stay in business? And don't say, well, the Amish. Well, then you're going to have to live like the Amish. Right? See what I'm saying? So the thing about it is, farming hasn't changed. The whole principles and concept is the same. Just the tools and methods of doing it expand. Right? So here's what I'm saying. Sometimes I feel like we try to plow the gospel plow with a team of mules. And, 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 and so we're, we're stuck on some things and we're not, we're not using everything God has put in our hands to try to reach people and help people and bring people in and help them to see this bigger plan that God has for life and for eternity. Okay, sometimes, yeah, we're, we we got to be committed to excellence. The reason is we represent the king of kings and we should soar for him. Not merely just be creeping along the ground, just trying to scratch something up. Like chickens. I don't know why I'm about all kinds of fowl today. This is a foul sermon, isn't it? (laughs) Turkeys and parrots and now chickens! We just kind of... And you're scratching around. We're just content just to scratch around. God's called us to do so much more than that. To see beyond the majority. The Word is vision. All right, so back to our story. Let's get some a little bit of documentation here. You see this whole thing? These people had a mission. Do you remember what their mission was? Now, remember, Moses is uh, uh, recording this. And in verse 1 of chapter 13, look at 13, in verse, verse 2, actually, God says to Moses, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. Reading for the ESV, it says that I am giving. To the people of Israel. God said. I'm giving it to you. That's what they were to do. So first of all. Their mission was clear. They were to spy out the promised land. So in this. You see the reconnaissance of the promised land. That they selected men from every tribe. And these weren't just some guys. Like hey. How about you? How about you? No. These men were leaders. They were. Listen. They. Are you following me? They were supposed to be people of vision. They were supposed to be mature. They were like leaders. Or governors. Of the tribes. And, and they were the. The the most fit and the brightest leaders. And their mission was not even to try to plot out a strategy for war. He never said plot out a strategy for war. He said, You just go and you just give us a description of what you find there. All right? That was the the, the mission that they had. So they went and they spied out the land. It says they were gone for 40 days and they returned. And you get to the last part of that chapter. It says that they had a in in like verse 23, they, they had a single cluster of grapes. And they had to carry it on a pole between two of them. They were so much. And then pomegranates and figs and and all of this. And so they, they bring all this stuff back as they return from the promised land. So I'm sure as the 40 days approach, people are kind of getting a little nervous, like, well, I don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden, here they come. Hey, there they are. And then they're carrying all this stuff. And they're like, ooh, oh, man, this is awesome. Uh, You know, they were probably getting impatient. Children of Israel never had a capacity for waiting very well, and neither do we, right? I'm just, uh, I have to watch that. I get impatient so, so quickly. But anyway, and then they get the report. And that's in verse 27. And um, some reason or another, this print has just shrunk on my Bible here. Anybody ever have that happen? I don't know what's going on here. Okay, at the end of verse, okay, verse 25, because I see it first. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out in the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, verse 27, there it is. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows With milk and honey. And this is its fruit. It's true. Just what God said. They must have been so excited. The report is it does actually flow with milk and honey. Does this seem too easy? Does this seem too good to be true? Read on. Read on. Uh, Because next we see the message of fear. There's a message of fear that comes. Next verse. It flows with milk and honey. However, oh boy, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Those are giants. Okay. The Amalekites dwell in the high land of of the Negeb. Uh, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And probably there were even termites. But it's all there. All this stuff. Messy. See, see. Here's what they were doing. You see what they're doing? They are focusing on themselves and what they thought they could do, because they get everybody stirred up. And then uh, Caleb stands up and he tries. He's a man of vision in verse. What is that? 30? Verse 30. I'm not kidding you. For some reason, it's the, 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 the lighting. It's got to be. Anyway, uh, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said this. He goes, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we'll, we are well able to overcome it. Then look, then the men who had gone, he's one of the 12, okay? Then one, the men who went up with him, look what they did. They said, we are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So it says, they brought to the people of Israel, verse 32, a bad report of the land that they had spied out. Saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people uh, that we saw uh, are of great, in it are great height." And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And those are the giants. And that's a very mysterious thing. These are big. I mean, these are people that are not fall on people, man. They conquer people. They're big. All of that. So, um, and we seem, he says, He says like, uh, we seem like, uh, you know, like we were grasshoppers in their sight. And you might say, well, now that's just you. That's just your attitude. I'm sure you're not grasshoppers. And no, 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 no. They, they thought we were too. <laughs> yeah. You know, we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked at us and they said, grasshoppers. Hoppers. You know, I'll just stomp you guys. And so said that's, that's the negative report. So they focused on themselves and what they thought they could do. Uh, but they were not able. And you really look at it. You look at us and you look at what we got. You look at what we can do. And we just going to add it up and we come up to the conclusion we are not able. Nobody asked the question, is God able? Nobody even asked that question. But that's the report that they gave. It's a message of fear. I want to say, I find myself want to say, hey, wait a minute. Nobody asked you that. Nobody asked you if you're able to go up or not. That wasn't your mission. Your mission, just tell us what it's like. Don't tell us that we're not able. There were giants there. Uh, But you know what? In a metaphorical sense, we've all got giants to face, do we not? We've all got fortified cities to face. And I want you to see the infectious work of negativism. Say that word again because it's so nasty. I'm going to say it with a sneer. Negativism. My nose gets crinkled up when I say that. Negative. Mm. Negativism. We get just so negative. That's what they were. They were saying God's not able. I mean, I look at the host of Israel and from what information we have in the scripture, they're like 600,000 effective strong men and they've already seen God do amazing things, hadn't they? Hadn't they? But you just see how infectious negativity can be. I mean, it spreads faster than anything positive. It does. And yeah, you think it spread very fast? Read right on. Get your, get your Bible, read on. Chapter 14, verse 1 says, so they hear this. Then all the congregation, they're like, now wait a minute, God said he'd give this. No, he forgot all about that. They focused on the negative report. It says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And they just, they just saw the Land flowing milk and honey. And God says, All this time I'm leading you to a land I'm going to give you. And then they find out, Yeah, it really does. But then they hear all this and they're crying all night. And then it says, And all the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. All the people of Israel grumbled raw, 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 against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, I can just hear it, can't you? Oh, would that we had just died. In Egypt. We had been better off. We just died over in Egypt. Uh, Or would that we had just died in this wilderness. And then then they're going to blame God. Verse 3 Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? I mean, God's let us out here to just kill us. Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? Boy, I will tell you something. That's my way of saying, "Verily, verily, I say unto you." Well, I won't tell you something. <laughs> it's just hillbilly talk again. Come on, you know hillbonics. Anyway, when we face that territory that God wants to take us to, and He says, "I want to deliver you." Now, Egypt, are you thinking with me? What well, were they in Egypt? Yeah, they were slaves. They were in bondage. You rather go back to being a slave? And I want to tell you that a lot of people say yes because I don't want to risk the unknown. I don't want there to be battles. I don't want to have to trust God to deliver me from things that I know I can't deliver myself from. I'd rather go back to being beat over the back and treated like a slave in bondage. That's what happens. Just because we're afraid of that. I've seen people do it. I've seen families do it. I've seen whole churches do it. Because it's unknown. It's scary. Right? Weren't you slaves back there? Yeah, but see, they were used to being slaves. We don't know what's going to happen there. Mindset? Hmm? No vision? Right? Are you getting it? You follow me? Do we do this? If we don't think now, if God, clear, I'm not saying we go off and try stuff on our own and say, yeah, God told us when he hadn't told us things like. But when God gives clear direction, usually it's going to be something that's bigger than us. It's going to be something we don't have the resources. We don't have the ability or talent and, and all of that, that, that when it happens, God's going to do it and God's going to deliver and God's going to uh, bring about the victory. And so when it's done, there's no doubt who did it, God. But if we only do what we know we can do, we never get to see what only God can do. That's the mentality these people had. But it gets worse even. It says in verse 4, And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Truth of the matter is, they wanted to kill Moses and Aaron, I mean, now you talk about firing the pastor. Woo! (laughs) They wanted to kill him and get a new guy and take him back to Egypt. But see, in another sense, we do the same thing in our own lives. Message of fear. Now everybody's afraid. I'm glad that there were some people that were not part of the majority. They were in that minority that had vision that had vision to see past, amen, that could understand. Hey, hey, they could understand. They could see God's presence when the others couldn't. They could could understand that God had a plan. They They could focus on God's plan. They could perceive God's power when the others couldn't see any of that. And I'm glad that they spoke up and spoke a message, not of fear, but of faith. Spoke a message of faith. There were two men besides Moses and Aaron that 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 instead of focusing on what they thought they were able to do or not able to do, look at this, they focused on what God had said. They focused on what God had promised and what he could do. Word of God. If you don't know what God said, it's hard to focus on what God said and stand on that promises. That's why you got to be in the Word. That's why we try to make opportunities available, uh, not only to study here, but to give tools to study every day and at home and with family. Um, This is a message of faith that they were trusting the Lord, Joshua and Caleb. They'd had enough of this. And already read in verse 30 where Caleb had tried to interrupt them, and he says, Let us go up right now and conquer. We're well able. He wasn't trusting just his own ability, but in God. And then they shut him up. And then they do all this. And then in verse 5, which we read earlier, Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces. I mean, there's just like everything's falling apart. We've come all the way here. This is what God said he was going to do. And now look at this. And so it was Joshua and Caleb who were among those who spied out the land. And they said, I take it, they're both standing together to all the congregation. The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us and that's why i pointed that out earlier when we were reading it i'm taking the way they were acting the lord was not going to delight in that so if we trust him and our obedience is what is implied he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land that flows with milk and honey don't rebel don't fear the inhabitants they're going to be food i mean all the stuff that they got you know they're going to leave it for us right in other words the thing about it is god's going to give it to us and the battles are just going to be a bit of a little bit of an inconvenience Along the way. They had faith. And they trusted God. So their reply wasn't to go conquer it. But just to go possess it. As far as they were concerned. God had already conquered it. It's not a matter of how they felt about. uh, This issue. All right. Sometimes I don't need to go by how I feel. It was a clear cut matter. Of what did God say. Specifically. About this issue. What did God say specifically about this issue? He said, I will give it to you. They, Joshua and Caleb took the people's disrespect of God very personal. But now they weren't very popular, were they? Because verse 10, we saw that all the congregation, instead of being moved and say, what's the matter with us? They wanted to kill them and stone them with stones. They wanted to hit them with rocks till they were dead. That's what that means they were bold as lines. You know what? If you're just looking around and see what everybody else is doing, you've not got vision. And if you don't know what God said he's going to do, you can't have vision. You've got to know what God says he's going to do, and you've got to focus on that rather than what everybody else is doing. Remember, in uh, Proverbs chapter 28, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues. I see a lot of fear. I see a lot of fleeing going on these days. People running. People hiding. People panicking. But he says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. How can we be bold like that? Because we know we're not standing on our own. And righteous, it's not because I'm so good, but because of his righteousness in me. All right? Now, let's take this home. What's this mean for me today? What can I do? All right? Now, I'm borrowing from... uh, Swindle a little bit here on these last things, but I want to give you something to take with you. I want to remind you, though, vision. The ability to see God's presence, to perceive God's power, and to actually focus on God's plan in spite of obstacles. All right? So let's take it home. A, B, C, D, E. I'm just going to mention them, all right? This is a good way. This is, I got this from somewhere else, but it's a good way to remember what's involved in vision. First of all, attitude. You know, the whole thing of attitude not just being negative, uh, that, um, that your attitude is optimistic rather than pessimistic, that we're going to stick in there and be determined rather than give up. I mean, I'm not saying foolish positive as in fantasy world. I'm saying positive because you're trusting. It leads right to the next one, B, belief, because of your belief, your faith, and trust in God's word and in your relationship with him. All right, because you have that. and Then C, capacity. As you do that, God is going to enlarge your capacity. What I mean by that, capacity, willingness, your willingness to be stretched, to do what God expects. He's going to stretch you. He's going to create a capacity in you that's beyond anything that humanly you could do yourself. Capacity. And then, once again, determination, D, determination. That is hanging tough when the going gets rough. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But let me tell you something. I found out that when there's opposition and when there's trouble, is not a sign that, oh, we messed up. We're going the wrong direction. Usually it's a sign you're going the right direction. The fact that there's walled cities and battles doesn't mean the first time we encounter some little obstacle, it's not necessarily a sign that, oh, well, maybe God didn't want us to do this. Just play it safe. No. Usually that is, Remember? If you're not meeting the devil head on, it only means one thing, you're going the same direction he is. Determination, that you have determined that though the enemy comes against you and the going gets tough, you're gonna hang tough by trusting God. And then E, enthusiasm. Now, different ones of us show passion different ways, but there needs to be some enthusiasm. You know, the Greek word, or the English word, enthusiasm comes from the Greek language. It's literally the Greek word "enthios." It's a compound word, in and theos is a word for god. So it means god in something. So when they said somebody was enthusiastic, showing a particular type of dedication or passion, they thought god is in them. It is to see god in, god in. That's what enthusiasm means, god in. See God in the situation. It makes it all look different when I don't see this as just something that's happened. I see God is at work in it. Something happens to my vision that's magical. When I realize my heavenly father is involved in even the most mundane activities of my boring week. And he's also there when those obstacles come up in those battles. Am I going to trust him? Or am I going to go off and try to fight those battles on my own and only call him for backup? Listen, he's not backup. He's leading the way. See, that's another part of our problem is we just kind of on autopilot doing our own thing and we just want God to come back us up and rescue us when he says, I'm wanting to lead you. Lead them into the promised land, not just back them up, all right? God help us to have vision, to see, to perceive, to focus on his presence, his power, His plan, no matter what obstacles we're facing. Lord, help us